Hello, hello. Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. I'm Corey Dempsey. And I'm Andrew Beam. We're here today to discuss the music of 2020. And while year the, while this year has been a complete and undeniable shit show, there was some pretty damn good music that came out this year. Yeah, and I feel like this is a thing that happens a lot with art, you know, films, music, whatever. When the world is kind of the most on fire, artists tend to create some pretty dope stuff in order to deal with that. Um you know, the golden age of cinema was in the 40s after World War II. And, you know, I'm just really excited to see what comes out of this. Not that I want to go through a year like this ever again, but, you know, I am excited to see what comes out in 2021 and 2022 as kind of a response to what has happened this year. And we've, we've seen a bit of that already, but I'm definitely excited to see what continues to come out of it. Yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed this year. Um, I think my overall feelings on it, though, I don't think were as stoked or as positive as you were. That's more just because there were albums that I was looking forward, uh, looking towards, and when they came out, I was a little bit underwhelmed. I'm looking right at you, idols. But uh, but yeah, I mean, other, otherwise, like you know, some some of the albums that I've heard were were either really interesting or had an interesting story behind them. I mean. Some we had literally recording over the prison telephone system while others actually got COVID and then created a bluegrass version of all of their back catalogs. So, yeah, I think in in that aspect, you're seeing some more. I mean, well, the prison thing, I think, has been done before, but I mean. Not like this. Not. Yeah. Well, it it was it was a fascinating album for sure. (laughs) We'll talk about that more later on. But uh, but yeah, anyway, so for this episode, we're going to be. We decided we were going to do it in two parts, just sort of uh, of the nature of just how we kind of went planning it here. Yeah, and in the first part, we're going to be joined by our good friend, Ashley Pellegrino. She is an entrepreneur out of Asbury Park, New Jersey. She runs the company Rugged Paw, and she is the husband of Mike Pellegrino from Late Waves. He joined us on our Every Time I Die episode, and Ashley has spent years out on the road with Late Waves, so she has kind of a unique insight, I think, into what this year has been like in terms of the lack of live music. And then we're going to be joined by our other very good friend, Joe Donlin, who was on the bonus episode we did in regards to David Fincher's Menk. Um We've known him since high school. We've played in bands with him. I mean, I know I, you know, between both Corey and him, that's just where kind of a lot of the music I listen to, that's where sort of the groundwork was laid for me. So uh, he's going to share his perspective on this year in music, uh, and, and it'll be, it's going to be a really interesting one. Yeah, for sure. And while we're going to be sharing a beer with all our guests on this episode, we're going to kick things off right now with a Polar Seltzer. Orange vanilla because I know yeah. I'm not doing that right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's fucking 11 a.m. on a Monday morning. Yesterday was football Sunday. Yeah, we just had we had a few and it's I actually it's been like ever since Christmas for me. Yes, we're recording this uh, just a few days after Christmas. I, it, it may have, it's been like a bender. I don't know why just. Uh, the holidays does that to people, but we're not having a beer right now. It's too early. We had too many last night. So uh, let's get into this beam.
so we are here with Ashley Pellegrino. And Ashley, what's going on? How are you? Good. How are you? Doing great. You know, we're really excited to have you on. Ashley is... She seems to have a similar last name to someone else we've had on this. <laughs> Indeed. So <laughs> she is... Uh, or Mike from Late Waves, who is on our Every Time I Die podcast. Mike is Ashley's husband. And Ashley is a... Uh, entrepreneur. She has her own company. We talked about it last time, Rugged Paw. I have been yeah. using the bomb on my puppy Lily's little pats. It's wonderful. And yeah, yeah. Rugged Paw is awesome. Thank you. So, you know, we invited Ashley on. Our whole goal here was to get a bunch of different kind of varying perspectives on the year 2020 in music and how that was. So, Ashley, um, tell us about your year in music. So, say it was a pretty good year it wasn't like my favorite year of music probably but for what was put out it was very important because it's obviously a little bit more of a dark year so it's got new music yeah good music was um very important as far as keeping us entertained and happy and all of that um and i actually dove a little more into pop this year just because it was a little more upbeat and it was fun for the summer as well. <laughs> I was wondering that because I was like, is she normally like, all, like totally into a more kind of pop sounds kind of stuff? Because there was obviously the little, you know, the, the punk and sort of. Yeah, for sure. And actually, you know, what, why do you think that is? Why do you think pop was what drew you in so much this year? I like <laughs> when I'm running outside, I do really like more pop music. I think that that's actually. I mean, aside from the fact that it was an amazing album, the Lady Gaga album and all of her songs were like, she was my top artist, my top album on Spotify. And then all songs from that album were my top five songs for like my 2020 rap. And it's because it was the only thing I wanted to listen to when I was running or drinking, which <laughs> happened a lot of <laughs> so basically when you did anything this year it was lady gaga soundtracking it yeah and i don't know it was just it just the more like upbeat was good to keep the mood up during all this shit the lady gaga album was amazing an amazing pop album i mean i love her in general but this is definitely a top one I definitely agree with you i found myself going into these kind of dark holes with music where I was feeling bad. So then I would listen to sad music and then I would feel worse. And then I <laughs> would kind of catch myself and be like, this is not helping anything. You need to listen to a happy record right now. So I, I definitely get what you're saying there. I don't think I ever made that transition. I feel like I just kept <laughs> staying sad. I just like, just kind of kept it in neutral, I guess is kind of how it would be for me. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Ashley, you know, one thing that was a big thing this year, and I know it's huge for you because you know, you spend a lot of time out on the road with Mike and Late Waves and, you know, yeah. the lack of live music this year. Was there anything that you feel like you really missed out on? Absolutely. I mean, well, A, it's a huge part of my life for the fact that my husband and my sister and one of my best friends are in a band and we spend a lot of our time doing shows and going on tour and I'm a big part of that. And then right before the pandemic was going to happen, we had a couple shows lined up that we were supposed to go to that we were really stoked about. Um, yeah, you guys were coming we, up to Albany. We were going to see Oh, yeah, guys. we were supposed to record a podcast with them in person. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was what happened. 
um, White Reaper. So we were supposed to see them right before everything shut down. They were actually going to be going on tour with their record that they had just put out. Not quite a 2020 release, but it was a late 2019 release. Yeah. Had it funny, it would have been in my top. It was an awesome record. And we were supposed to see them in Asbury and then again at um, the Shaky Knees Music Festival. Oh, yeah. Which we were really excited to go to. We're going to see a ton of awesome bands there. That's always um, got a really good lineup, too, generally. Like, Shaky Knees is, like, dependable in that sense. Yeah, and I actually hadn't heard of it. And um, we just haven't really gone to a festival in a while in general. So I was super amped to just be doing that for a couple of days. We had, like, the whole – we were going to go down for the whole three days. So that was a bummer. (laughs) But, yeah, yeah, in general – really really miss live music the only thing i've gotten is uh mike doing live streams in our living room (laughs) um so that's like an on-demand thing for you right no you can't just be like hey (laughs) can can you just put this quick set together in the beginning it was funny and then because you know i'm like in my pajamas having a glass of wine like watching from two feet away but now i'm like very antsy to see a live show (laughs) I, I think I, I think Corey and I both said to each other, at least I was in agreement with the statement because I'd said it before. It's that I I don't know why I could really go for it being in the middle of a mass of sweaty people just climbing over each other, singing along the songs. Uh, absolutely. I said to Mike the first time we get to see like Pup again, I'm probably <laughs> just going to go for shorts and a sports bra and not even try because I'm going to be just drenched in sweat. Yeah, I think I think everybody is kind of uh, yearning for that kind of cathartic release at this point. I've got yeah. I, I know if like once I hear that like Ted the season is a go next year, getting two both nights don't even care. <laughs> I think I think I'll have built up the stem before then. Uh, Ashley, so obviously you have a top five. You 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 obviously were able to rank all the albums that you listen to into a neat little top five. But are there anyone? in particular that you think deserves at least a, a shout out that that was good but didn't quite make it in um so i couldn't when i was like thinking about this i couldn't think of a, i couldn't think of any that were put out in 2020 that were like being no. in my top five other than what i already have the only thing i will say is probably dirty nil put out a bunch of singles in 2020 leading up to their record that's going to be coming out next year. Um, but all four singles are absolutely amazing. And had the album been released in 2020, that would have been in my top five probably. They were my favorite bands, but um, I guess I'll say that. <laughs> this one I'm curious about because I know I had a few of them this year. Were there any that you were looking forward to and then you heard and you're like, ah, oh, fuck. That wasn't um, it. E- Joyce Manor. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Total. And I'm so upset because I love every single <laughs> record. And they're so fun live. And all their songs are short. So you get to see so many of your favorite songs. And yeah. Man, I don't know, that, I don't know what happened there. It wasn't even a blip on my radar. Like, I forgot about it. I think you even mentioned yeah. it to me. I was like, what? Oh, yeah. That? Yeah. I listened to it. Yeah. No, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I completely agree. It was like. Unfortunately. It was just kind of like repurposed songs. It wasn't even like a record. Yeah. It was. Yeah, it was lazy. <laughs> very, very. I agree. 
Uh, I don't know. One of my top five albums is a bunch of repurposed songs as bluegrass true. versions, but that's true. But what they're repurposed that? like he actually completely had reimagined. Well, he had to challenge himself. It's Sturgill Simpson's bluegrass albums that he put out this year that were basically yeah, the cutting grass series. Yeah. But anyway. All right. So Ashley, let's do your top five. And, you know, we listened to all these records over the last three days after you kind of previewed your list from us. 24 hours for me. 24 hours. Damn, you really you really <laughs> squeezed it in there. Um, so start us off. What's your number five? All right. I'll start I'll start with the first. I'll start with the first. Is that okay? Obviously it's Lady Gaga Chromatica, because I told you that already. I had a feeling. And just because that album is responsible for keeping me in a happy mood. And what's ironic is that actually a lot of her a lot of the songs on the record, I think, are about her breakup with her fiance, I'm assuming. It kind but of felt like it, yeah. Definitely felt like oh, it. Yeah. Love that record. I can't get enough of it still. It's, and my sister also loves it. So we share that with each other, which is fun. Um, every single time she's at my apartment, she puts it on and we dance to it and I run to it and I get drunk to it and I clean to it. <laughs> I could totally see getting drunk to it because I mean, I, I made breakfast while listening to it yesterday and I was just like, oh, okay. Like, were you dancing in your kitchen? A little bit. Nice. Like, I mean, it's just. It, it definitely had those moments. I was, I kept, I kept turning over to my wife. I was like, you know, didn't think I was gonna be listening to like '90s house music, but here we are this morning. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy record, just in the sense that, like, it felt like a throwback. It feels like a house record. Like, it's so much electronica influenced on the beat. The sound of this record was just so much better, and. I don't know. I loved it so much. I don't know if it's my favorite of hers. I haven't figured that out yet. Mm. But but it, it it ruled this year. So is there like a, a, a couple of standout tracks for you? Like I said, I'm obsessed with the whole album. But I would say it's a tie between uh, Stupid Love. Um, That's my jam. Fun Tonight was actually one of my favorite ones. Which again, ironically, is like definitely about like coming out of a toxic relationship, but it's just such a fun song. And then um, "Rain on Me" with Ariana, and that was a really fun performance. Uh, the Amaze, I think. Ash, what's uh, what's number two here? What do you got? So the rest are very hard for me to pick, like an order, just because they're all different vibes. For sure, this is true. So the next one on my list, I'll say, is the, the latest Front Bottoms record in Sickness and in Flame. And I know it's not Corey's favorite. <laughs> this isn't about me. This is about your list. <laughs> tell, tell us tell us why you love this record. I don't know. I, I actually don't have really much of an explanation other than I just really enjoyed listening to it. Um, the song, the song Everyone Blooms is what captured me that is my favorite song on the record that one's fun because it's kind of touching on keeping up with like the pressures of growing up and social life and social media and kind of just being like fuck it do your own thing go at your own pace yeah like there are days where i will like scroll through my feed and just feel like i'm in trouble and i don't know why <laughs> yeah you feel like you've done something wrong and you're like i'm just i I'm just trying to live. I just tried to do a couple things today. That was all. Things I thought like, I had on my task list. That was all. Yeah. Like, uh-oh, I didn't have seven, 70 different supplements today. I'm not as good as this person. I mean, 
It's a jungle out there on the internet. It's uh <laughs> Well, it's, it's even worse now because that's all we have to do. <laughs> no, for sure. It, it exacerbates things immensely for, for real. I definitely hear that from that song. And I, I do think it's also kind of indicative of where front bottoms are at. The one thing with the front bottoms that stays consistent to me is that they're very quirky all of the time with yeah. a little like, like noises and words and like background vocals, I guess, like, but not so much background vocals, but little like grunts or like comments here and there. And it just always sticks with me the way that they're placed in every song. I like that. Yeah, for sure. Where for you does this fall? Because like, like you said, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of this record, but I am a huge front bottoms fan. I do love them. So I'm curious as to, Kind of where does this stand in their catalog for you? Is it is it up there? Yeah, yeah. Because I I like I've liked the front bottoms, but I've always kind of just listened here and there. I mean, I like their earlier stuff. I think you actually got us into the front bottoms initially. But as far as like an album that I've like been listening to fully through repetitively, this is. I don't know what it is. It could it could have like my music choices again this year are maybe skewed because of the state of the world that we're in and the state of my mind. I have no idea, but no. there's only so much I can say as to why. <laughs> no, I get you. I think I think you've hit on something very important that like in a year like this, music has the ability to make a real difference in your everyday mood. And so you know, whatever you're looking for that, that kind of comes through and what you're going to listen to, I think. And the context is key because in some instances, because of how much of an influence your environment, it being whatever fucking shit year this has been, it has a direct influence on what music you're listening to most of the time as, you know, which is why Lady Gaga got, you know, obviously the repeats and I stayed in all my sad shit, but (laughs) is <laughs> um uh like i heard like there was someone who even said to me like um with manchester orchestra black mile to the surface i like it's not my favorite album but i talked to a guy who just recently became a dad and he goes oh it's my favorite album by them yeah. it's yeah it really it plays such a huge role more than uh more than i think i get yeah. credit well that's like um my like i'm a later i'm a later thrice fan mm. um so i'm not super familiar with any of like their earlier stuff i know like some of the singles and stuff like that but so your hair uh, doesn't stand up when you hear uh the the song deadbolt like just someone mentioning that again i'm bad with titles so i might know it and i might not know it (laughs) (laughs) fair enough (laughs) um is the album called hurricane no, no, Hurricane's the first song off of it. That I know so what you're I'm talking like, about, but that's a fucking amazing record too. And that song's amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, but not to say like I could still dive into older Thrice and I'll probably love it. I'm just I guess similar to that dad that loves the new Manchester album, because that's not one of my favorite Manchester albums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. I mean it's it isn't for me either. But like I also think if you go back to and this is the other thing, like let's say this is totally going off on a tangent, but I feel like I'm at least going to ask the question. Like, say, in terms of every time I die, if you were to listen to those albums now, or like, say, you went back to Last Night in Town, would after hearing everything after it, 
or just apply that to any band, how much of a difference do you think you would still like that older stuff? Well, I know that like for me, I don't like last night in town all that much anymore, mm-hmm. but hot damn totally holds up. Um, do you think you'd still be able to hold like that perspective would still stand even after listening to all the later stuff? I think so. And, and I if think, that's how you got into it. No. And I think what Ashley's getting at here is so important that like the context with which a record comes to you is very important. Like 2016's Touche Amore record stage four that came out pretty much right when my mom got a cancer diagnosis. So like that record hit me so hard and it always will. And it will always hold that place. And I feel like, you know what, Ashley, you're, you're identifying here is that when something just hits you, sometimes it's kind of unexplainable. It just, it just works for you. And you, you hold on to that record very dearly, even if necessarily you can't explain why it is. Yeah. I would say that, um, most of my, all of, all of the records, regardless of the fact of like some of the lyrics being kind of sad or like about breakups or self-deprecation, whatever it is, they're all like more upbeat mm-hmm. and happy. And this is coming from a person that's like a huge emo nerd. So <laughs> <laughs> not for sure. And actually that I'm, I'm going to kind of guide you since you don't have a ranking here and when you say that kind of self-deprecating, uh, kind of sad lyrics, but with a really upbeat tempo, mm. that's what I found with the Peach Pit record that you kind of turned us on to. And I, I literally said to Corey, like after listening to it, I was like, I kind of wish I would heard this album way before because I feel like it would have been on repeat. And in terms of my top five, decent chance it could have been up there. Yeah, this this was our. <laughs> record yeah this was our favorite that you sent to us yeah i had a feeling it would be actually at least for you Corey, because i don't really know you until now that's that's fair that's fair enough (laughs) so yeah tell us about peach pit what do you love about it well again like i said it's it's all relatable sad you break up with mike (laughs) (laughs) you would think secretly like fucked up in the head and they're like i don't know (laughs) no um i mean the music itself is just catchy and great but then when you read the lyrics you're like how is this such a happy sounding song (laughs) like the first song on the record yeah yeah uh lonely boy fuck boy blues or something like that that's so good yeah but he's basically just basically a breakup song or a fuck me and this isn't working out song whatever it is but yeah same thing i don't know the vibe of that record just the music itself like it like we were talking about like some of those riffs are just absolutely ripping like they're 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 great Uh, but not too like complicated yeah very easy to latch on to yeah it had a very wild nothing vibe to me um just these twin shadow shadow too and just those vibes that just kind of make you really happy and the riffs that kind of exist in that nice major scale it definitely has the ability to just kind of make you feel good while you're listening to it even though it is very clearly a breakup record well twin shadow sometimes gives you that vibe of i'm in love but i feel like she might be cheating on me (laughs) but i'm definitely cheating on her (laughs) for sure but like a lot of art 
some of the best stuff comes out of sad situations. Because, I mean, the Gaga record has a lot of breakup songs in it as well. And you would, if you just didn't listen to the lyrics, you would never guess that. And that's the same with all of Keith's records, really. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, one thing, Ashley, I'm so I'm so glad you you turned us on to this record because yeah. the song Shampoo Bottles is <laughs> the... And I, I think it's a, all a breakup record, but like this is one of the funniest and best breakup songs I've ever heard. Is that the one um, you said you liked the lyric with the deodorant? Dude. Yeah, I, I got to read this lyric right now. It's it's too funny. And <laughs> I'm going to tell a little story with it because <laughs> it's just so it's so relatable. So for you, I've run out of my speed stick, honey. So I have been using yours. It's freaking trash. All that organic hoo-ha from your favorite natural food stores. <laughs> and, you know, I I actually can relate to that when like an ex-girlfriend leaves stuff at your apartment and then you don't know whether you should get rid of it or like if you should use it. <laughs> and then there was a time where like I left my entire shaving kit at an ex-girlfriend's apartment. And then so... I just didn't shave at all. Like, obviously, I have a big beard, but I always just thought that was a choice. I didn't clean up like my cheeks or my neck and my neck beard was just like out of control. It was blending with my chest hair. It was just a really bad situation. So like, this is such a relatable song. I love it. Yeah. Great record. So thank you for that. Yeah, because for sure. Fucking amazing. Album. You're- Mike, Mike actually turned me on to it. I don't think it's funny because he said, I think you'd really like this record, but I don't know if he loves it as much as I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so wait, hold on. Do you have sort of a standout track yourself? The first track is what lured me in, hmm. but the whole record's great. Totally agree. I think that first record or sorry, the first track kind of sets the mood for the entire record. And then you know, what's great about it is it isn't just that kickoff. It keeps delivering after that, which yeah. is what I think is so great about the the album. Yeah, you got to hear yeah, those no- introductory songs and then it's just like, oh. Yeah, nothing is worse than when a band puts out a, like a huge, amazing single and then the rest just blows. <laughs> Agreed. It's so, it's so upsetting when that happens. But going on this theme, and I mean, maybe it exists throughout. I don't know. But what definitely stood out to me as another kind of breakup record, and well, this this record was about a lot of things, but I definitely picked out a few songs that were very clearly breakup records, and that's the Halsey record. So talk to us about that one. Well, I mean, the title of the record is called Manic, so the fact that it's all over the place makes a lot of sense. I had a late, I I bloomed late with my love for Halsey. Um, Mike actually... Uh, when he was in the Mosers, opened up a couple shows for her. And I, I didn't love her music at first. But as she matures and keeps putting out more stuff, I just keep loving more and more of it. And now it's like she's one of my favorite pop artists. With this one, it's very emotional, as we said. Um, but it's very upbeat, fun to listen to. My favorite song on the record is called 3 a.m. Mm. Very uh, Ashley Simpson. <laughs> um, so that brought me back to it. But it gets, again, that's another one that like I love having on a playlist when I'm running or working out. It's just a lot of fun. Um, but that one, again, it's very self-deprecating. Like basically talking about how she gets drunk and calls everybody on her phone. And mm-hmm. she 
that, but that song is awesome. Yeah, I, you like haven't, that so- like, I like that song a lot. Yeah, but again, I like that whole record. Um, so but- Gaga and Gaga and um, Palsy have been more in my like top female pop artists the last couple of years. Yeah, and Ashley, something you identified there about the album being called Manic, you know, that is one of my favorite things about this record when I was listening to it is the production really is all over the place. You have so many influences Mm -hmm. coming in with like hip hop production with songs that could basically be country crooners with ones that are, you know, more electronic influenced. But Mm -hmm. the really good thing about this record is even though it is so um, kind of diverse in its production it doesn't feel disjointed. It still feels like everything kind of flows from song to song and that it mm-hmm. does feel like a fully realized version. And that was something that I really, they, really enjoyed. They fit together very well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They pulled it off really well. And I like that she had like a lot of featured artists too. Yeah. Um, she had like Alanis Morissette in one of her interludes. <laughs> and some guy that spoke another language, like he said, just like all different types of people. Which is- awesome yeah I I thought this was a really great record and the one thing that I kind of picked out that I thought was really really cool was I don't know if you guys are familiar with like the manic pixie dream girl trope in movies so it's this trope in movies where it's like not really a fully fleshed out character but it's some like weird quirky girl who helps the depressed um, uh, okay. Boy, find his way. Like the ultimate example is Sam, Natalie Portman character, Natalie Portman's character in like Garden State. Right. And there's been like a lot of trying to fight against that label, and I feel like Halsey is definitely doing that, and she is bipolar, so that's part of it. And so she included this quote in the transition from the first song Ashley to the second song Clementine, and it's actually from Clementine in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind where she's talking about, I'm just a fucked up girl looking for my own peace of mind. Don't assign me yours. And that kind of character was a direct response to that idea of the manic pixie dream girl. And I really liked that she included it in the record as that transition track or or the transition from the first to the second track. I I thought that was just a brilliant like way to pull in thematically um, into the record. You're so smart, Corey. That was Nice thing. I love that about that record. <laughs> no, it was. It, it was it was such a cool thing that she did there. And I just I respect the shit out of this album. Like if it's I'm amazing picking, you're doing it with pop song. Or with a pop album too. Like it's Yeah, when I don't know if it's breaking a boundary per se, but it's definitely No, I think I think a lot of times pop songs get a bad rap. It's because some of them are really bad. Yeah, and and some of it's deserved, but like a group like Halsey, you know. I've always thought Lady Gaga, like they have, they have a lot of things to say. Taylor Swift has a lot of things to say. And I really, really think, and I really, really enjoy those pop records where it's not just a pop record. It has things to say. And so, you know, Ashley, this was a great pick. I really enjoyed this record and I'm glad you turned us onto this one as well. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad. I was excited that I branched out a little bit here as far as like my genres it's yeah that's what i was Um, trying to say too it's it's also like very diverse in terms of what we're looking at here yeah Yeah, and and i can i can partially thank my 
for that because Zoe's exploring all genres of music to help him with writing. And it's always great to kind of have a feel of all different types of music because it helps you appreciate everything so much in a different way than you might have. And with Halsey too, I think probably why I didn't like her as much in the beginning was because she had that raspy Brooklyn girl and like a lot of, there was a lot of female artists doing the same thing at the same time. Yeah, it's kind of like when, was it, I don't know, of mice and, no, what was it? Of Monsters and Men? Of Monsters, I don't know, where it was just like bands that just came up with that yeah. jangly country folk shit. Yeah, the Lumineers. Of yeah, Monsters Lumineers. And Men. That's what it was. So I, that's, but I, yeah. I, I get what you're talking about that trend. Yeah. Yeah, and and I'm glad that she pulled out of that because now it's just more. I think she is just doing more. Like like you said, just honed it in way more to herself and took a lot of different sounds for this record, but made it work. And it was a little bit more unique as opposed to what she was doing in the beginning. But then again, in the beginning, she was like 20. So. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely feels like she's figuring it out because it feels like on this record, she had a very unique vision and, you know, you, you said it actually, like she, she totally pulled it off. And, you know, I think that was a really great thing about this, this record. It's always cool to hear the exploration of it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so Ashley, I think that's, we got one more. What's, what's the last one for us? Last one is the latest one that was put out and I'm maybe a little biased, but, um, the new I'm the Avalanche record. Yeah. Dive. So tell us about that one. What's, what's got you excited about it? So with that one, they just haven't put something out new in a really long time. And it was just a good classic avalanche record. Like they didn't stray too far from their sound, but it matured a little bit and it was produced really well. And it's just anthemy and fun and exciting to listen to. Like the, um, the first song on the record, better days. There's a lyric in the song that I love. I think it says, I'm not quitting drinking. I'm just finished with the stumbling. (laughs) Yeah, I, I I heard that one. That was great. I feel like I'm in that point of my life where I'm like, I'm tired of being like a wasted asshole multiple times a week, like just because the week is done. Like, I feel like now I'm... I get that feeling. Chilling out a little bit, but still enjoying myself more in a little bit more of a, a packaged up way. <laughs> but yeah, that record's just, it's just a good classic avalanche record and to mix in with all of my love for pop this year. It was more of my like, just like what I usually would gravitate towards. I've been referring that uh, I've been referring that, to that sort of music as my comfort food. It's just at the stage yeah. for this year. I was like, I, there was a couple bands. I thought like I could get that, that, that rock album that was going to rule for the year, but it just didn't come until one of our friends sent his top five list and it had Spanish love songs that, that, that album. Oh, I forgot about that one. That one. I mean, I heard that for the first time Thursday, I think. And I immediately said, I was like, this could be my top five. Like this is almost there for me. It's an outstanding record. It really is. It's like the most mature, like emo music I've heard in quite some time. Yeah. So it seems like with the, I am the avalanche record, it was kind of like, an expectation 
thing where you were very excited about the record coming and then it just totally kind of delivered for you. Yeah. 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 Cause like I said, it's been, so I feel like a lot of times with bands that take a little bit of a hiatus with writing, sometimes try and come back with like a totally different spin on what their style is. And sometimes like it just doesn't work. Yeah. It just misses and the mark. You tried like, guys difference between maturing like in the way that like we were just talking about Halsey did versus just like changing your entire like you might as well change your band name (laughs) yeah just like completely abandoning your previous sound yeah and I don't always love that because I love if I love a band already I'm in my head I'm like if it's not broke don't fix it like keep doing what you're doing but then there's also that line of like don't release the same album four times in a row for sure. I felt that way about the new Fleet Foxes record. It's like I've heard this oh, one before. Oh, hey, Hapleston's Blues. <laughs> nice to yeah, see you again. Yeah. So, Ash, thanks so much for joining us and for sharing, you know, your music from 2020 with us. Yeah, um, especially for turning us on to more records where it's like, oh, well, we missed this one. So. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we will be including this on our website and on in a playlist that we are going to create with all of these kind of uh, great records from 2020 from all of our guests on this pod. So make sure you check that out. I'm very excited for that playlist. (laughs) It's going to be one of the craziest playlists I think of all time. It's going to be all over the place. That's for damn sure. All over the place. Yeah, Ashley, thank you again so much. Uh, This is, this is a lot of fun. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much. And everybody out there, check out rugged paw for your pets for sure. Yeah, apparently yeah. my cat can actually get down with some of the products. So, yeah. or maybe I yeah. don't know. We got to check with her. They can. Yes, and keep an ear out for Lately's new album in 2021. Yeah, Hell to Pay. Yeah, now yeah. that once I once we got to use those songs for the intro and after I, you know, really listened to that song, uh was it It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Oh man. That that that'll get stuck in my head every now and again. Oh, it's such a crazy riff. Actually, if like, Mike could potentially just like do on-demand sets for me just every now and again i might be done yeah Uh, absolutely all right awesome thanks so much ash we'll see you later all right thank you so much it was an honor have a good holiday guys Right, so we are now here and joined by our good friend Joe Donlin. Joey, what's going on, man? Not much. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely, man. And we brought Joey on. We've played in bands with Joey for years. We've often gotten music off of one another. We have a lot of overlapping taste, I'd say. So we wanted to invite him to come in and discuss some of his favorite records from this year. Yeah, I feel like obviously we've always had a lot in common musically. I think I've probably discovered between the two of you most of the music that I listened to like in the early 2000s. I feel like. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And, you know, Joey, what was this year like in music for you? What what did you find yourself listening to a lot? What were you looking for? What what stood out to you? So it's it was an interesting year in music. I feel like um, overall I would use the word underwhelming. Uh, I know that might be a little bit different than what you've heard before, but I I just feel like there was so much content that could have been made 
and it just didn't really come out. I think 2021 is going to be a very interesting year in music because it's coming out of 2020, and that's when the songs were written. Um, you know, after the the current events, you know, the the lows that people went through. Um, but I just feel like 2020 wasn't quite. It didn't quite live up to that. And uh, I think you know we're going to get into it in a little bit. But there were some records that were delayed and things like that that you know just don't really feed into a great musical year i kind of said something similar to Corey was today maybe i think where i was just like i i was i was slightly underwhelmed i think it was for two reasons one because yes there were some albums that were delayed that i wanted to hear this year and i was might have been looking forward to and then there were some although majority i would say delivered there were some that i was super excited for that when i heard it i was like oh you know yeah and i i guess just to kind of bring it onto a more personal level um you know this 2020 year uh for me was very uh different you know i guess i have a different um way that i'm gonna have to go about life going forward um you know i guess just to be completely open with it because it's kind of kind of shaped the discussion that we have um you know i'm one of the 2020 divorces um (laughs) i guess you could call it um and it's about five months removed from the initial shock of it so i can like speak about it now i feel like pretty good about it you know like i kind of have a good outlook for what you know going forward is going to be but it did shape the way that i listen to music and i think right now especially and just going through this process of like thinking what is my top five and listening to all these albums I'm listening to them in a different lens and it's almost like a musical awakening for me. You know, I I think in a lot of ways I'm, I'm really vibing with the music and I'm, I'm grasping different things that I wasn't before. And I was probably a little stagnant in the way that I was listening to music prior to that. You know, it was a lot of (laughs) emo pop punk stuff that just like, you know, maybe it was from years back too that, you know, it's not really relevant in my life right now. And now I'm finding stuff that is relevant and it's, uh, it's, it's been a cool experience in that way. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I've, I've found that, you know, objectively maybe the 2020 wasn't the best year in music, but honestly it's been super important for me finding those records that are speaking to the things that are happening. And, you know, one of the crazy things is some of these records were written in 2019 and released in 2020 but they still kind of capture these feelings of 2020 perfectly. I know one of the ones well, on like, your list is yep. that case. And I was like, a couple of them actually. yeah, it's yeah. like, how did, how did you basically predict everything that was going <laughs> to happen? <laughs> I mean, but like how, you know, 2019 wasn't great. I mean, I it wasn't great then. I mean, you know, it still was what it was. I mean, it wasn't a terrible, it wasn't this year. It wasn't this year, but it wasn't like, great. But it's not like everything was, you know, like it, say something for like, uh, well, no, I don't want to get into it because then that just will ruin other things. But yeah, it's it is interesting that you can just sort of predict that. It it's almost like we probably should have just seen it coming. Yeah, it's <laughs> honestly part of like our musical maturation, I guess you could say mm. in a way. Because like I'm listening to bands that are talking about being in their 30s now, you know, and like well, we are there. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and it, it feels right to be listening to that yeah. and not listening to the stuff that's talking about uh, breaking up with a girlfriend in high school, you know. No, and I I totally agree. Like I like that they're still emo now, but it's all the people who are like from our generation. So they're emo, but they're in their thirties. So they're just doing emo music, but about not 
fucking juvenile shit. They're so still it's feeling like, the same way. Yeah. About just like having anxiety about going to your job and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. it's it's actually yeah. like stuff that we can relate to, yeah. but it's still emo. And I, I really dig that. I think it's I think it's awesome the way that's happening. Yeah. Um so Joey, any albums that didn't quite make your top five, but you either found really interesting kind of like a special acknowledgement, honorable mentions. What do you want to shout out real quick before we get to your five? Sure. Um, so uh, the first one that I'd like to shout out that, you know, I, I think I just, I got into it because of my daughter um, and uh, she's a big, don't fucking lie. Artist. Don't you were <laughs> Honestly, the... I, I hated this artist prior to okay. this album. Um, eh, I guess I can't say hated, you know, I, the past couple of years, when strong my words and people get say. into music and like, I could have her listen to this person and kind of have an idol that, you know, I, I'd say in, in most regards is pretty respectable. Agreed. Um, yeah. Taylor Swift folklore, um, you know, and it's actually pretty funny. So, well, not funny, I guess this is not funny. Um, uh, but <laughs> the album came out pretty much, I want to say like two weeks before shit hit the fan in my relationship. And um, not in the world, but in your relationship. Yeah, exactly. It. So because <laughs> it could go so many ways. Yeah, with shit hitting the fan. Right. So um, you know, when I first heard the record, "Exile" was a song that like stood out to me. I was like, "Oh, this is mm-hmm. cool." You know, Bon Iver. This is a nice song, but I mean, it's depressing as hell. But it, you know, it made you feel something. Then after that, like, I was like, "Holy shit! This this song speaks to me way too much." I couldn't listen. I honestly couldn't listen to music for like two months. So you Ooh. know, that was another thing that kind of. I was listening to podcasts, like NBA podcasts, and that's like all I, because I just didn't want to feel anymore. Um, mm. So, um, so now when I'm revisiting this, it's like holy shit! Like, not just that song, but a lot of the songs are just speaking to me at that level of like, yeah, I totally get it. I totally understand what you're singing about. I totally understand what you're saying. Um, and the, the way that they speak to each other in that song, I feel like is really, really interesting. Um, the reason it didn't make my top five is, you know, I, I'd say there's just selections of songs on that album that I like. I don't think I, you know, it's, it's honestly a little too long. I, I agree with that assessment. <laughs> I think it should have been like three or four songs shorter. Yeah. Um, and I honestly, do agree it was really good. Though. More than an hour. Like, that's a bit much. Yeah. And honestly, if Evermore came out earlier in the year, might have made it. If you had more time to. Yeah. Over this. Just because there's definitely songs on that album. I'm like, wow, this is really good. Like, Happiness, I think, is probably one of the best songs. Nobody, ever. No Crime. Nobody, yeah. No yeah, Crime yeah, is one of my one favorites. I'm not really into the country twang all that much, but yeah. I, I but it's it. a cool story. I, I, yeah. I like the concept. <laughs> it's it's really cool. Uh, yeah. What else? Um, uh, Melee by Dogleg. Um, Huge fan. Yeah, I like that record. It rocks pretty hard. I watched some live videos after it, and I think the guy did backflips and shit, and it's pretty sweet. <laughs> Kawasaki backflip. Um, so <laughs> just it's as, as far a little as like on a the fun nose. record, you know, I think it's just that, that hits all the notes for me. Um, I will say, you know, it definitely goes back to like earlier emo too. You know, I think the the vocals aren't like super present. The lyrics are are, are pretty good, but they're just like you know, kind of in the background. It's more about like the music and the vibe, um, and it it just rocks really hard. So yeah, that's another one for me. Um, I got I got a few honorable mentions here. Um, so uh, the band Paris Paris with a V. Uh, there's an album called Use Me. Um, it's more of a pop album, I guess you would say, kind of like an indie pop. Um, but I think that um, it's really well produced and 
it it stays interesting throughout like it's Mm -hmm. not as it's not just your normal generic pop you like when you listen to it you're gonna be like i kind of want to see what they do in this next song and it's a i i think it's two people i think it's like a a girl and a guy you know kind of like fanagram kind of thing um but that's that was an interesting one and that's one that i also could kind of share with my daughter as far as like uh she likes pop and i do too and it's a girl singer and she's into it so that was that's been kind of cool too um i think that's all i have for honorable mentions nice that's great those those are really good picks all right so let's go to your top five then joey what's what's occupying the number five spot um so number five is alfredo by gary indiana's own freddie gibbs yep uh produced by the alchemist big fan of that um, record yeah so this is actually I, I thought we were gonna go through this but uh trends for 2020 that i, I really liked this one hit one of probably the biggest trend that i i uh, i like here um which is bringing hip-hop back to the vocals bringing hip-hop back to mm-hmm. the, the just the flow the lyrics um you know the the way it's produced the beats are a little more lo-fi there's not they're not bass heavy it's the the words aren't wrapped around the beat it's more like the the beats there and he was just like all right now freddie do what you want and freddie could do he could go any which way on a lot of these tracks like you could i think you could listen to all these beats and be like oh he could rap slow here he could rap really fast here there's a lot of space um, for him to kind of explore yeah and the other thing about it is there's really no hooks you know it's it's all rapping you know and i think that's kind of brings you back to a time of like the you know the 90s um you know something like i guess ilmatic nas you know things like that that you know i i, I was really into and i i thought that was really cool about it um as far as like lyrical content you know it's very much freddie gibbs um you know, he talks about yeah. you know slinging crack uh you know shooting cops uh <laughs> having sex with other people's wives and girlfriends um <laughs> it's just you know it's it's typical you know freddie gibbs rap lyrics a lot of bravado um but it's it's cool you know it, it really works well and it's playful you know it's not despite when it came out which i think was right around the time of the uh, george floyd incident um yeah there's not much political about it except for, you know, maybe a couple of lines on one track, but most of it's, yeah, I'd of, say the one verse on Scotty beam yeah. when he's talking about the cop pulling him over and, you know, saying, I don't want to have to smoke an officer. Yep. You know, I think that's speaking to that experience a little bit, but you're right. It's, it's not overtly political. Yeah. No. And well, even to that point, that was probably written well yeah. before that so it's well know, this, it's kind this of shit's been happening I don't forever know. so he yeah. also did reference like the michael jordan cocaine circus like line did, like didn't that come out or that was that already like a story before i thought that came out of like the the, the documentary dance. series yeah last dance not sure yeah i don't know it just that. felt very like like somehow this came out and it was like was he watching that and he was like oh yeah i deal with cocaine yeah like <laughs> I do like his NBA references. He has a lot yeah. of early '90s NBA references. On that Mad Lib record, when he has the Lakers song and the Knicks song, yeah, they're just titled that yeah. um, on Pinata, I believe. Pinata. Yeah. Those those references are so good. Um, love the NBA stuff. You know, and Joey, the one thing that you mentioned about um, Alchemist and his production, he did so many incredible records this year. Yeah. And all in service of exactly what you were talking about is bringing the focus back to the rappers and the lyrics and the flow. So he did the same thing with Conway the Machine on the Lulu record. And he also did it with Boldy James on The Price of Tea in China. He's 
it feels like Alchemist is really trying to seek out these rappers who are focused on lyricism and rhyme patterns and flow and really giving them space to work as opposed to these huge trap beats that are then just kind of like party tracks. Well, like where people like these are these are, you know, artists that can actually be successful with it. These are guys that, yeah, wouldn't be able. No one else would be able to do it. They're right. Doing. When they're given the space to operate, they can really work with it because yeah. of their lyrical and rapping talent. So Freddie Gibbs has always been that for me too. So that's why I like yeah, hearing him on this album because it, it was, I mean, I didn't even think about that before and that, you know, um, that's also something new for me in sort of my exploration with hip hop. But yeah, he, um, <clears throat> it, it did, that was, a, there was a difference. I couldn't just put my finger on it, but it's just like with that, it's just, I could listen to him rap all day and yeah. on anything it appears. And Freddie Gibbs <laughs> showed up on all those records with those yeah. other guys. So they're, there's clearly like a movement of these late thirties cause they're all like in their late thirties, these dudes. Yep. And they're trying to really hard, like bring back that kind of quote unquote golden age of hip hop. And it's really interesting. All the guys in the Griselda collective, mm -hmm. you know, it is a really interesting movement and trend and something that I'm super into. I want to uh, see Danny on it. Danny on one of those. I would, yeah, I think, I think, great. I think him and Alchemist would be an interesting pair. Yeah. That'd yeah. be awesome. Yeah, for sure. So Joey, let's go to your number four then. What do you got? Okay. Um, number four, I have Touche Amore Laments. Yeah. Um, so I think this one, when you were talking about, or, you know, to talk about, um, you know, things that I would like to see in 2020 or would have liked to see a tour on this album would have been uh, pretty much right <laughs> up at the top there for me. Um, they're one of the best bands live working so much energy, um, so much crowd energy and so much stage energy. Um, every song's a sing along. Yeah. Um, it, it's just wonderful to see them live. It, it's, it brings a smile to my face every time. And, you know, they're they're not young either. I, I think that's kind of the interesting thing about them is, like, when I see them on stage, I'm like, man, they're, like, my age. You know, it's, like, yeah. kind of cool. It's, it's not still like possible. Of, I, I, I don't feel weird singing along to all the words because it's, like, a bunch of kids singing and, you know, me yelling back at them. Um, I agree so, with you. I, w I wish I could have seen this this live this album is this album's phenomenal agreed um so that's where that's where this is a little interesting for me as a number four they're one of my favorite bands i love to see them live and i love to see this album live i think this is one of their weaker albums um i you know i know it's very highly rated i know a lot of people got into that this year um but i don't think I, I think they drew drew out the songs a little bit too much um, to the point where there it was almost monotonous at certain times, and the lyrical content isn't quite what it was on the previous records. As you know, just wasn't as emotionally heavy. Um, you know, it kind of is coming out of it, and also I I hate the lyrics on the last song. To be completely honest, oh, oh I love them. Oh, I uh, like that really. lyric. Yeah, well, so I, I think it's a little too self centered. I you know especially. Just thinking about, you know, and I get it. He went through, you know, the death of a family member, which is a little bit different than me going through like a divorce or something like that. But, right. you know, he has like a line that's like, nobody reached out to me um, and like nobody, you know, offered help or anything like that. And they they said like they were just giving him space. And it's like, you know, that's bullshit. Um, yeah, I don't agree with that whatsoever. I feel like, you know, people react to situations in, in their own ways and it's not necessarily a fault on the other person that they you know maybe reached out to you once and said hey man you know whatever you need 
and you just never, never said anything. And then it just kind of went on with your life mm. or, you know, maybe it's just like, um, you know, it, it's just, you know, there's, there's just different ways to react to situations like that. And I think it's kind of self-centered to expect everybody to like reach out to you and be like, you know, Hey, just checking in on you, like, you know, monthly or weekly or something like that. And that's kind of what it sounded like when he was singing those lyrics or not singing, I'm saying them. No, I could see that. I, I but I, I agree with you where, um, I don't know. It kind of goes back to like after every time I die discussion where he just, uh, I forget which song it was. It might've been map chains where it's just like, you know, this is your problem. No one's going to be able to feel exactly that. You know, you can't expect people to be suffering through it with you kind of in, in, sort of in a way. So uh, it's it's just hearing those different perspectives is, is kind of hearing that in, in terms of the way he was about it. But also, too, I I would be curious as to who exactly that's directed at unless it's like a general I, unless it's a general statement. But I agree with you. Um, I don't know. I, mean, I think it was also an album, too, where it's just like a reflection and whether it's right or wrong, how we felt, who knows? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's the way I've always felt about Touche and specifically Jerry, Jeremy Bohm's r- lyrics is that it's always just very personal. And that may be self-centered, but he's always honestly exploring his own feelings. And, you know, he has the line, it's not like I wrote some lyrics detailing the exact events, some profit off the, al- some profit off the album, and most I just consider friends. So I think what he's feeling is discomfort over band members and label people profiting off of his words exploring grieving over his mother's death and you know whether right or wrong like he's just trying to explore those feelings and put them out there so I respect that process that he's going through and the way that he's directly reflecting on the stage four record and the success of that record when it was dealing with such heavy shit and like the I'll be your host, uh, that that song talks a lot about him being kind of held up as this mantle for, you know, breast cancer and awareness. And he's not really trying to take on that role. So he's just kind of exploring that discomfort about that album's success, I feel like. And I respect him for kind of going through that. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's the way I feel. I, I really liked it, but... You know, I totally get yeah. where you're coming from. Absolutely. Yeah. Regardless, it it kind of it filled the filled the hole that I needed for like a new like um you know kind of aggressive album. Um, I just I don't know. It was underwhelming in a lot of s- small ways, and it just uh, didn't really resonate with me the same way some of their previous stuff did. But to be completely honest, you know, my favorite record by them is Party in the Seas between Brightness and Me. Um. So, but it's in your top five. Yeah, no, I mean, hey, their worst <laughs> album is going to make my top five. So. No, fair, no, fair, <laughs> no, fair enough. That's just kind of where I'm at. No, I, I feel you. Uh, let's go to your number three then, Joey. What okay. do you got? Uh, so this one, Hot Mulligan, you'll be fine. Um, so this this one's my uh, emo side. <laughs> um, you know, I'm a big lover of emo. Um, you know early emo bands um american football things like that uh and then even this emo revival has been really great so um this one um the the way i feel about them it's it's uh it's just good songwriting from an emo perspective um very very good riffs i would say the guitars are really fun in this uh even the way it's sang is really fun i would like to see this band live i think they'd be pretty fun live i agree um, with that you know they're 
the songs are upbeat but they can slow it down they they have some interesting parts that are like wow this would be kind of cool and make like the dueling vocals would be really cool i feel like yeah exactly um they remind me a lot of like uh free throw so like free throw these days are gone is one of my favorite emo revival records um this one reminds me a lot of that without you know being quite as good as free throw is but yeah so that's that's actually literally what i wrote down i wrote down it's free throw but with better riffs but less good like lyrics and vocals <laughs> yeah i mean i don't even know if i'd consider it better riffs free eh. throw's got some riffs man they do they do um, they both got riffs that's for sure yeah but i mean that opening track like you we were talking about today og Buell's OG, guy Jesus. yeah so much fun yeah so with this one um you know i it, it wasn't about the lyrics. The lyrics are, you know, whatever. They're they're they're, they're there. fine. They're not they're not. Some bad. are good, but yeah, they're just like you know they're they're typical emo tropes, I guess you could call it. Um, without it, you know, I guess kind of to go back to what you were saying about emo nowadays, it, it, it's not like you know, I'm gonna kill you because you broke up with me. It's like um, thing you know. There's one song that kind of goes into like actually I think it's something about uh, a college girl that got raped and like the whole like mental state of the guy that raped her um which was kind of interesting um and how his like father you know was like the cause of that and things like that so you know there's some interesting stuff on there you know lyrically but it's um it's definitely more about the the fun nature of it and the riffs and that doesn't sound fun at all but that it is uh still there um you know i think the riff that gets me every single time dirty office bongos um when that first kicks in it's about 15 seconds and it's like that's some mouth guitar there for you there you go um, we, we more do. more mouth guitar please yeah. we do we do a lot of that either way um that one that one's really good and then yeah the opening riff to og blue sky is just a great way to kick off the record you know you're in for a, a good ride when uh when that song kicks in and yeah i love it Totally agreed. Yeah. I, I think it's a great record, and I agree with you that, like, OG Buell Sky just turns it up to 11 right off the bat. And honestly, it makes it a bit of a challenge to, like, keep the energy there for the rest of the record. It kind of dissipated after that. A little like, bit, and then at the end, yeah. that last track. What is it? I don't know how to... It says Backyard, right? They just took out the A. It's all in caps. Yeah. Yeah, that, that song's really good. That song's fantastic. Okay. I, I love that song. I also like feel like crab. Um, I think that's a <laughs> great. <laughs> I just love the name of that song, but I think you know honestly, it, that, also, that one's not as riffy, but it, I think it's really good. I like the way it's a slow chorus, which yeah. is interesting. So, Green Squirrel in really bad shape. Yeah, they have a lot of really good uh, song titles on this. The Big end fan. Of that song's really good too. Where um, you know, I, I know I'm a fucking wreck these days. That that part's really good. Agreed. Uh, Awesome. I, I, I'm i a big fan of that pick. That, that'll appear in our 25 albums somewhere. Um, yeah. Joe, let's go to your number two. What do you got? Okay. Um, so for number two, I have Keaton Henson Monuments. Um, so this one is uh, a sad folk record. Sure um, is. It's sad as hell. <laughs> Very um, sad. <laughs> uh, I, I made the joke this morning, and so I'll make it now. I was just like when I was listening to this, I was like, Joey, are you okay, man? <laughs> yeah. I also I also made the joke that did he take folklore off and put on Alfredo just to not make it all of that. Just all sad. <laughs> um No, go ahead. Sorry about that. No, that's fine. Uh, yeah, no, I know. this one this one came into my life when I was sad. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I, no, listen, I I'm not. To say? I don't know. No, <laughs> I'm not trying to say that it was a bad al- that it was a bad album. Um, I thought it was it, it, as as Corey said. It was it, it's beautifully arranged. I think it's really good. Um, but it, I could. It was it was just I, we were listening to this one. It was context. We were having breakfast, and I was just like, "This is really sad folk music." This. <laughs> It was starting the date with it. It was what it was, which yeah. was interesting. Yeah. But I, I thought it was. It's still a very good album. Yeah, I mean, it's an album about grief. It's um, well, and honestly, kind of moving on from grief um, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. But his brother passed away, right? No, it was his father. Oh, his father. Yeah. Okay. So actually, that's why you know one of the one of my favorite songs. It's kind of you know there's a pretty interesting part about that. But um, yeah, it's a song about uh, the grief of his father passing away. I think a lot of the songs were written while he was passing away. So it wasn't even he had gone oh. yet. Um, but it was just, you know, going through the process of like, you know, seeing him on his deathbed and knowing it's going to happen and how he's going to deal with it. Um, things like that. The other thing about Keaton Henson reading up about him, he suffers from crippling anxiety. He doesn't like uh, performing live. He doesn't do it often. He never tours. He never does interviews. Um, and he really wrote this record for himself. He didn't really want to yeah, necessarily. Well, he he says he he didn't want to release these songs, um, so you know this was the way of getting the thoughts out of his head, and uh, I, you know, I think that's that's something that makes some of the best records is when you are. It's just you have to get it out. You know, yeah, you're you, making you, the record for you, and then people connect with it because they are feeling similar things. Exactly. Yeah. Doesn't and, seem he cares about that. <laughs> cares about that. I, yeah. I think you shouldn't when you're writing a record like that. It's just got to be for you, and like hopefully it catches on because people feel the same. Yeah, fair exactly. enough. Um, you know, I think something with this record that it's the lyrics are great. Um, you know, it's very poetic, uh, immensely sad, um, but also the arrangements. You know, Beam, you, you mentioned so the beautiful. arrangements. No, it really yeah, is so beautiful. But it it's uh it's pretty interesting because his record right before this was actually arrangements for a string orchestra. Um, no vocals. He just composed music for a string orchestra. Um, so that makes a lot of sense now when you listen to this. Because <laughs> totally. there's, you know, there's strings, there's great piano parts. A lot of it's, you know, s- slow, um, finger-picked acoustic. But, um, you know, I think those are more about the lyrics when they get into that and then or when he gets into that. But, it, you know, the, the arrangements of everything else and how it builds and swells and then comes back down and it's... It, you know, it, it really it hits hard, um, and I, I think that's a, a beautiful thing for sure. No, absolutely. You can tell too that like thinking about that more, a guy that doesn't play so it makes sense when you say he doesn't play live often, doesn't like to play live. Um, previous albums were mainly instrumentals, and I was like, well, I guess that explains why his his voice, which I mean, which is good, um, and it, and it fits the music well, feels very reserved. Yeah, yeah. It feels reserved, but it also it, it feels like emo- like emotional. Like I can hear the emotion oh, yeah. in his voice, and um, absolutely, you know, it's very vulnerable. His vocals, yeah, yeah. So you know, just to kind of get to my favorite song on the record, it's mm-hmm. the song "Prayer," um, which is kind of two parts of a song, or two two parts that are put together. Um, the first one is just piano um, and him singing over it, and there's a line that you know, gives me chills every single time. And it's the chorus, I guess you could say, but all he says is speak up, speak up. I'm losing you. I'm losing you. And when he's singing those words, like you can hear, he's like about to cry. Like that's, 
it's so emotionally heavy but then to make it even better i guess you could say better or worse i don't know um <laughs> even it, sadder <laughs> it, it, it swell, it, uh, strings start to come into the background yeah. as he's playing it starts to swell up and there's like home videos that are being played over it um you can't really hear it for most of it and it's just swelling strings with like you know you hear like a child laughing or something like that um but then as it comes back down the very end of the song is you just hear his father in a home video saying keaton wave to daddy and that's it that's how the song closes and that is just brutally beautiful it hurts uh but it really you know it, it it hits you hard yeah i don't know if this is a good thing or bad thing but when i was listening to it for this my mom came over and was like Corey, this is really beautiful and i was like oh yeah it is <laughs> it's also really fucking heavy <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um so that's my favorite song my favorite lyric from it um and this is like really what kind of made me get into this record was i heard the song and i was like oh okay this is a fine song but then started listening to like the lyrics probably halfway through to be completely honest and the last few lines of it just like emotionally just devastated me um gave me the chills and you know that's more where i am with lyrics these days if they give me the chills i don't care if they're poetic but if if i get the chills hearing that lyric it gives you the feels that's that's me so it's from uh the grand old reason it's uh he he says i'm so broken down that i cannot be made i'm just so fucking sorry that you are afraid but like you, I've tried for so long not to cry that I don't even know if I can when you die, but I'm sure as damn hell going to try. And that is like, honestly, it's kind of me in a lot of ways. <laughs> like, it's like, I don't deal well with grief and I don't, you know, my, when my grandfather died and stuff like that, I didn't cry. Um, and I, I get it. Like, it's like, you kind of expect it for so long that you're like, how the hell am I going to react? And you know, this, this, song in particular i think was written while his dad was on his deathbed and not necessarily when he died um and he was like you know just contemplating like what the hell's it gonna be like you know and uh i think those lyrics are very pointed in that direction and just fucking kill you no that isn't that is interesting um i mean because like i just i'm just coming off of was it we uh my family put down the family dog and then I think like a ba- like less than a week later, my grandfather passed away from comp. Well, he had dementia, but I think it was more kidney issues. And the like in terms of like grief, I I only more recently too. And I think that's why I'm able to connect with certain like kind of what you're saying, connect with certain music, certain lyrics more. You know, certainly something like when we talk about low teens uh, for every time I die and, and exploring that, I connected with that more just specifically because of the moments I'm going through, you know, currently. But I know I reacted more to the death of my dog than my grandfather, mainly because same thing. You were kind of were expecting it. You were sort of preparing for it in a way. But I don't know. I just find I do find that interesting just sort of in the connection with the music, though, that this is a guy also too, just not sure how it's going to go. Yeah. Which, and- I think about that too. And that's a thing. Like I also have not cried when like my grandparents passed away. And then you also get into this like thing with yourself where you're like, what the hell's wrong with me? Why am I not feeling anything? And then that just like makes the feelings worse. And it's like, it's a whole cycle and it feels like 
you know, you mentioned he's just kind of writing this for himself. He's going through that whole exploration with this record and it's a very honest exploration. And it's very and, relatable. Yeah, very. And it's, it's a very beautifully written, beautifully produced record. Um, great stuff. I, he's, he's a very talented individual. That's for damn sure. I probably, I wish I hadn't just like heard this for the, the podcast. I would, you know what? I know I said I wouldn't return to it, but now that we're talking about it, I need to give another listen. Yeah, I think it's been more rewarding with each listen. Like, I've listened to it while looking at the lyrics on, like, Genius Lyrics or something. Um, And, uh, you know, I've gotten more and more of the the subtle differences between each song out of it. Um, You know, Prayer wasn't my favorite song until, you know, I really hunkered down and listened to this whole record all the way through and heard that and then how it kind of transitions into... Um, I believe the next song is While I Can, um, which is another great song off that record. That's my favorite one. Um, the triumphant horns at the end that come mm-hmm. in, it's its really great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's just, you know, there's a lot of variations to what he does on this record. And, um, you know, the, the emotional content of it is just, you know, it brings it to a different level. Yeah, absolutely. So... Let's do your number one. I'm I'm really excited to talk about this record because I'm pretty sure I know what it is. You know I am. Yeah. Yeah. What do you got? So for this one, uh, I came onto this band way too late. Uh, their last album's awesome, too. Oh, sorry. Came into this album way too late. The last album's very good, too. Um, uh, Spanish love songs, Brave Faces Everyone. Yeah. Um, so oh, yeah. this was... <laughs> This is, uh, I think, Corey, you know, when we were talking about um, 2020 and music, this was a, a record that was definitely written in probably mostly 2019, probably all 2019. Uh, yeah, it came and out it's in really January. just about being like, yeah. in your 30s. Things were but, real bad for him in 2019 <laughs> well, still. Honestly, it is. It's like about being in your 30s, you know? Yeah. It, but it works really, really well for 2020. Um, I think people going through the hardships that they're going through it works on a global level um and it's it's uh it didn't mean to be political in a way but it is um so uh you know i this this band is is really remarkable i kind of stumbled across them um i was listening to the washed up emo radio station on spotify (laughs) and their song (laughs) buffalo buffalo came on which is an awesome song of schmaltz their last record um and uh what's that name (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Always That's bringing fine. your baggage. Gotta censor that from <laughs> No, no, um, no. It's fine. <laughs> but then I, I started checking them out and I was like, oh, cool. They have a new record too. Uh, oh, wow. It was released in 2020. I never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it just kind of blew me away. And, um, you know, I I had a lot of trouble with this one. I'm try- I was trying to figure out what is my favorite song? What is my favorite lyrics? But they're just also, uh, uh, they're also relevant. That it's just, it's hard to pick and it's, you just got to listen to the whole, it the whole way through. Um, you know, they, they air on the side of punk, I would say. Um, Musically. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, I think anyone can listen to this record and pull something out and be like, yeah, I, I relate to that. I feel 100%. that. Dude, I, yeah. I, I was, I said to Corey today, um, I was listening to this. I think I was just like making, making breakfast or something the other day when I was listening to it. And, you know, I, I was going to have it on the background, but I, I when the opening lyrics of Routine Pain came out and 
I, I just Every stopped. Every single day, I'm a six of ten. Yeah, I literally, I literally just like stopped what I was doing, turned around, looked at my, looked at my speaker. I'm like, what are you, are you talking directly to me about me? Like, what is this? Yep. Yeah, I. This album's phenomenal. Those lyrics are just. He covered pretty much every emotion I've had this year, like in each song. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how. Yeah, that was amazing. But he does it. He doesn't do it in a way that's sad. This isn't Keaton Henson singing about twenty twenty. He's very is, angry. He's angry. And it's funny. Sometimes. It is funny. It is hilarious. <laughs> so yeah. no, that line like every day I awake and I'm a six of ten. Like that's self-deprecating <laughs> yeah. humor at its finest. Like that's great stuff. You can't be this bleak forever. Yeah. yeah. Right. So Dude, <laughs> you no, know, no. That so that I. I I think I, I I'd said this too. Yeah, that is my favorite lyric. On it's the one that I connect with the most, especially when he just goes, yeah, um, where he just goes, uh, it's never gonna be this, or it's not gonna be this bleak forever. And he goes, have you seen me lately? Where it's just like, <laughs> do you, have you seen the path I'm down? Like yeah. it's not. This isn't changing. Totally agree. So that's on the second track, the self-destruction as a sensible career choice, which, which is an amazing song title, great song title. And you know, I I said this like. This chorus is the one that I want to see live right now because that cathartic release of like just singing it with 150 sweaty people, like I feel like I need that right now. All I have been needing it. All I have is my car for now. I just like (laughs) bump that, scream it, and I'm like, all right, that's gonna have to do for now. But sometime I'm gonna need that collective energy of like singing that chorus with everybody. I mean, we could watch Tidathon later and just like push each other around if we like yeah let's I don't know. let's do it let's create a little concert in the living room <laughs> i don't know if i want that so. <laughs> um so with this album i think we do need to talk about some lyrics i'm not much of a lyrics guy but i think there's just some that just are so amazing. many good ones uh, so many yeah. good ones um hit us so you know my number one for lyrics on this record and you know it kind of the first line of it hit me more just because of like the situation i went through and it's like i kind of was reflecting on my relationship and things like that but then as it goes further into it the the next few lines um i realized like oh man this was this is me in 2020 this is me with like you know the anxiety of living in the world as it is um and it's i hate the rhythm of our lives these days uh, stare into the dead space, shouting at my phone, ducking in my seat because someone brought a bag into the movie theater. Um, I just think that's really interesting. But like, it, you know, he's talking about the rhythm of our lives on like a global as like in, in a global aspect. You know how we're walking around scared of gun violence because you know it's hey, you could. There's another one about like clear backpacks when he's just trying to get a beer. Yep. Yeah, he goes he goes into a lot of that and it's really excellent and it's a really smart but also humorous like ex- exploration of those things and like what it's like to live these days. Yeah, I mean on, like, everything is saying sung with this tone of just like what what, what the fuck what the fuck is happening. <laughs> I, I, I went to see the Wizard of Oz with my daughter. Um, I can't remember. It might have been even 2019, but it was like a special showing, and she loved the Wizard of Oz. So I was like, you got to see it on the big screen, you know, if they're showing it. And there was a guy that came in by himself with a backpack, sitting right in front of us. And like I couldn't even really concentrate on the movie. Like I, I just had it in my head. I was like, man, this guy is kind of creepy. I don't know why he's by himself watching The Wizard of Oz with a backpack, you know, in like a room full of like you know kids mostly, you know, and stuff like that. Well, so, sorry, Joey, I would have left the backpack in the car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like you know, this one like kind of hit home there specifically. But then I hate the rhythm of our lives these days. It just 
that on a like personal level, like I could, you know, there was a monotony, there was a monotony in my life and it just, um, it came to a point that it, you know, now my life's completely different. It's going to change, you know, in a lot of different ways, maybe some of it for the better, maybe some of it not. Um, you know, actually he talks kind of about that in, in a lot of songs too, where it's like, you know, it's not necessarily that life's getting better. It's just, you know, it's life still. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just, I really related to that and the way that the music stops there and it, it really focuses on that sentence and then it kind of comes into like a nice little and like, it's, it's not even like power, like powerful chords behind it or anything like that. I think it's a lot of piano actually. Um, but you know, it's, it's just very interesting the way that they do that. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what else you got? Losers part two. Um, so I'm leaving the city, maybe the country, maybe the earth. Got to find a place of my own where the fuck ups aren't cops patrolling neighborhoods they're afraid of. And the rest of us won't burn out displacing locals from the neighborhoods we're afraid of. Um, that's probably the most political lyric, but also it came out well before like black lives movement and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So this is like, you know, well, I guess I would say the resurgence of the black lives matter. Right. Movement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Just where the cops are not fuck up sign is that's my favorite line of like the record. Just like the one liner. Yeah. It's so biting and I really, I really do love it. Yeah. When I first heard it, like, you know, so I'm leaving the city, maybe the country, maybe the earth. I thought it was going to go into like some like self depreciating, like, you know, you know, super depressed, going to kill myself kind of thing. Um, but he then goes right into where the fuck ups aren't cops. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was like, whoa, okay. So now you're bringing it there. Um, and it, it's just really interesting, but super cool. And uh, I just, I don't know. Fucking relatable for 2020. No, exactly. That's why I felt like it literally covered every single feeling I've had throughout this year because it's just like, that's just a, that is a general anger people have. Or like, can the cops just stop like doing, can they just do their jobs? Can we just stop fucking up things? Um, I think that's a very fair statement to be making in a song. It's still in 2019. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. And I got one more, well, one more song with two lyrics. Um, one of them I just found kind of funny. Uh, so it's on the, the song Brave Faces Everyone, um, which is the ending track. And uh, I just think after the whole record being pessimistic in a lot of ways, uh, he says, at least I'm seeing things more positively because I swear to God I'm an optimist. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what, one of the songs is called Optimism, A Radical Life Choice? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a really interesting thing that they do. I was reading this interview. I can't remember what it was with, but he was talking about how always on the last tracks of their album, they make all these references to like past songs and songs on the record. So it's Which almost like yeah. he's creating with that final song kind of like a collage of everything that was talked about on the record and trying to bring it all in. And I think it's just a really cool thing he does to like try and wrap up the albums in that way. I think it's, I mean, especially with this one, I mean, I haven't heard the other records by them. Um, but especially with that song, I, I, I thought it, I think it was almost important to reference all the shit you just said in all of those previous songs and be like the way I kind of come away from it, especially because of the last line, you know, um, I'm sick of you. <laughs> I mean, this is just a fucking hilarious line. I'm sick of yelling at strangers, don't want to do this forever. And when it all burns down, will you carry me over? 
we don't we don't have to fix everything at once. We were never broken. Life's just very long. Brave faces, everyone. I think like it's nice to be like, yeah, this whole album, you can feel all this stuff. It's fine to feel this way about all of these things, but it's like somehow he he does <laughs> he does bury deep and like gives you a bit of optimism on the way out on the album. Yeah. So that was my lyric part two of Whoops. that song. No, that's great. Thank you for it. <laughs> you got to read it. I'm not, <laughs> I feel like I haven't been reading these well. No, anyway, it's fine. But um, the interesting thing about this, so I learned this through a YouTube video. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know if, it, I, maybe I won't, I, I don't know who who made the YouTube video, so I can't really reference them. I don't know if that's going to get you guys in trouble or anything like that. Yeah, I doubt it. Hey, credit to you, YouTube person. <laughs> but it's a very High interesting five. exploration of um, the fact that the record's called Brave Faces Everyone, but it, there's no comma. The last um, song is Brave Faces, comma, everyone. Yeah. Um, and that was done on purpose, according to this YouTube person, um, because the record was supposed to be kind of like a call to arms. Like, you know, hey, everyone, put on your brave faces. Yeah. But then at the end, he's realizing like, hey, we, we've all been through this shit we all have brave faces. So it's brave faces. Everyone has it, you know? So it's, it's kind of like a, a full loop. That's like, you know, the whole record is this like, um, you know, demand of like putting on, your, put on your brave faces. This is the shit we're going through. And then at the end, he's like, all right, I've been around the world and I see that everyone has this already and you can get through this. So it's almost like, you know, all of this that felt very internalized, like for him coming out in this album, it's like, Wait, I need to be. I, it's almost recognizing that how relatable it is, and that ev- there are other people also going through some shit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you know, Joey, what you just mentioned, this is a this is a record that works on so many individual levels because there are standout tracks that you can pick out and listen to and rock to, but it is such a fully realized album in the ebbs and flows and the way that the lyrical content kind of he puts a bow on it right there at the end with that and it just is a fully realized record. Like listening it from front to back is like an experience that is really, really rewarding. You don't get it that often. Like uh, no, it's a rare thing. I feel like in thinking like of like Kendrick albums where it's like, I'm going like you're, you are ha- having an experience while listening to this album. And, it, and that's why I just listening to this and I only, I'd only listened to it once and I was, I was blown away. Everything, somehow everything just stuck. I was, it, grabbed my attention immediately yeah yeah i I mean i listened to it because i was sad and it was sad um (laughs) and then i loved it because it was relevant and it you know very poignant so it's uh awesome he sings with purpose too like that's the one thing i will give this about his his vocals is like it, it almost sounds like he is just shout like it's it's still melodic but it's just it's sung with such seriousness and earnestness that i you know that that too just it it's that much more um attractive yeah i mean it's it's a tremendous number one pick because you know like we've been saying this whole time it just perfectly encapsulates everything that everyone's been feeling during 2020 so you know if you're going to pick a record that's representative of this year i think spanish love songs brave faces everyone it's got to be it no i won't do it (laughs) (laughs) all right so 
that just about wraps us up. Uh, Joey, thanks for joining us, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I really had a good time. Um, thanks, you guys, for having me. Uh, hope to be back soon. Yeah. yeah, and thank you, too, for being so open about everything with that because I think that's that's a lot, too, because I, I like you said, is, is it might be one of the 2021s, and as we've talked about with every album on this, it's relatable. People can relate to that, and uh, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, so thank you. Course.